for being able to come. Amen. And I love Brother Jamie. He's been he's my best friend in the ministry, that's for sure. And I thank God for that. And uh, and I, he knows I was just picking with him about that. Amen. And he always does a great job at our church when he comes to revival meetings. And so we've been able to come down here three times now. And my wife was able to come with us today, and I'm thankful for that. And so, amen. I just want to go ahead and open our Bibles up. I want to go to the book of Second Samuel. Chapter 23, this is going to be new for you just as much as it's new for me, amen. I studied this message out, I thought it would be for our church a while back, and I haven't preached it there, um, but God put it on my mind and my heart yet last night as I was laying there trying to figure out, told Brother Jamie, I said, I have the, 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 uh, the downfall of having so many messages is having so many messages, uh, because you have to figure out which one God wants you to go with, and so... I hope it'll be what God wants, and I feel like it is, and praying that God will just move. I want to read two verses here in verse number 11 and 12. And uh, again, this is youth service, but I also uh, believe that this will fit in even in the older crowd, amen. And so, elderly crowd, that's you and I, amen. But, uh, but amen. Verse number 11, and uh, you forgive me, I'll, I'll try to say these names right. I'm never good at names. But the Bible says here, And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herite, and the Philistines were gathered together into a, a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines. And the Lord wrought a great victory. Father, I pray, Lord, you please help us now as we look at this passage that, God, you bring back the things that I've studied aforetime. Thank you, Lord, for the messages that's already been preached today. God, thank you, Lord, for these young men that, God, you're raising behind us, that, God, that they'll be preaching the Word of God of the King James Bible. And thank you, Lord, that, God, you allow us to be able to be a preacher. I know, Lord, that, God, it's a great blessing. And, Father, I pray, Lord, you please help now, God, in this service, that, God, you give what is needed. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, so we know that Second Samuel chapter number 23 talks about David's mighty men. And I know, uh, again, that a lot of times we think about men, we're thinking about older men as well. And uh, this was a group of highly trained soldiers who fought for David and aided him in the victories that he had. Among these men uh, were other three who served as David's personal bodyguards. If you read the Scriptures, these men... Uh, and their deeds are described in these verses. But I want to focus on one man that we look here in this scripture that we've read about. His name is Shammah. He is described for us as a man who stood and took a stand in overwhelming odds and won a great victory from the help of the Lord. He's a man in whom that we as uh, uh, older generation as preachers and uh, church members as well as young people can learn some things from him. The Bible tells us here that the Philistines attacked the people of God. And when they came all, all that, uh, when they came to attack, 
everybody fled away except for the one man named Shammah. He took a stand in a field of lentils. Let me say that don't sound like very much, but yet it was something that was important to him enough to stand and fight the battle. I would like to take him and look at him for a few minutes tonight or this afternoon on what he did and how he stood and why he stood. Let me say this next generation that's behind us is well worth the fight. Amen. I know there's a lot that's given in to the enemy around us. I know there's a lot of churches that's falling around us and going to the contemporary styles. But man, we need somebody that'll stand against this old world and raise up the banner of the old bloodshed. Jesus died on the rugged cross of Calvary so that we might not let the world take what little we do have. Amen. So the first thing I want us to notice here is the assault of the enemy that's present in verse or presented. Verse number 11 again it says, And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop. The Bible is clear when it tells us the Philistines were attacking the people of God. It was a time of great conflict for the children of Israel. Notice what the Bible reveals. First of all, it's a raid of the enemy. The Bible tells us that these verses say the Philistines came and the people in the fields fled away. Let us know that the enemy was most likely came during the time of harvest. It was a time when most of the people that were in the fields were occupied with their business and occupied getting their crops in. They were busy working, but they were not busy preparing for battle. This is still what the when the enemy comes in our life. You see, a lot of times we're in the harvest time. It's a great time of joy. People are working hard to get their crops in the barn in a spiritual sense. They're resting from their labors. They're enjoying the fruits. And let me say it this way, we're at ease at Zion. And all the while, the enemy's on the outside side, ready to come in and take what we have. Their attention here was focused on what they were doing, and again, not preparing for going to battle. When the enemy comes, he catches them unprepared, and they're easily defeated. When does the enemy come against us? Often it comes against us in the midst of our greatest blessings. The enemy often comes in the midst of our greatest victories. A lot of times we'll come, uh, he will come rather when we're involved doing some good things for the Lord. He will come when our minds are occupied on other things. And what a good lesson for us as old people as well as young people today. How many times do we find ourselves busy working for our things and the good of the church or even that, and yet we come under the attack of the devil. I think too often we're like the church of Ephesus where we're doing many things. We have so many things that we've got going good for us, but yet we have left our first love as the Bible tells us there. We're busy for the Lord, but we do not realize a lot of times that the enemy is there inflicting serious wounds to the heart. God would have a people that would be prepared in the days that we're in. The Bible does not go without noticing when it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil roareth, uh, roaring, uh, uh, seeketh whom he may uh, uh, devour. Amen. 
And so he's not left us without any examples. We think about Nehemiah who was building the wall. The people were building the wall with one hand or with one mind. And then the other ones had a sword in their hand so they can fight. Now a lot of times in the independent Baptist crowd, we're so busy and I, I thank God that we're able to shout. And I thank God we're able to worship God. But I think a lot of times we're only focused on the shout and we're only focused on the worship that we forget about there's a great battle that's on the outside. We've got to be able to say thank God while we're sitting there slewing the enemy at the same time. But the enemy likes to come in and like I said, it's a raid. Let us learn to watch while we work. The reason that, the, see, we see the raid of the enemy, the reason of the enemy came, it says here, the enemy came against Israel for only two reasons. And that is to inflict casualties and to destroy the crops that they had. And the Philistines knew that if they could wound their enemies and bring them to a place of hunger, that they would be easily defeated and enslaved. Let me say, that's where we are today. Where people are, there's a bunch of casualties in the ministry. There's a bunch of casualties and young people and so on. The enemy has come in. While we're sitting here worried, and again, don't take me wrong, but while we're sitting over here and worried about trying to pump the young people up to be able to get them to shout and praise the Lord, their only, uh, their only substance that they have is the shout. They don't have nothing to stand on. And when the enemy comes, he's only inflicting uh, casualties. How many young people do you know today that could be in the house of God, but they're not here? How many do you know that used to be in the house of God and used to serve God? How many preachers do you used to know that served God, that yet now they're a casualty simply because they got used to the shout and had no substance? The same is true concerning our enemy. He comes for those two reasons. I I want to let you on a secret tonight. The devil and the world do not mind us having church down here at all. See, the devil and his enemy does not mind us singing. The devil don't mind us preaching the Word of God. He don't mind us getting involved in the things that we're doing for the Lord. But he minds when we decide that we're going to get serious about serving God and doing our whole our best for God and putting our whole heart into everything that we do. That's when the devil will come and try to attack. The devil will attack us when we pray in a fervent spirit. He will attack us when we're reaching out and begin to witness for the glory of God. He will attack us when we're starting to praise His name in the Lord's place. He will attack us when we decide that we're not satisfied in being like other churches and youth groups that's around us. When we decide that we're going to take a stand for the Lord, we need to watch out. Trouble's on its way. The devil's coming when we start taking a stand. As long as we're doing nothing, we're no threat to the devil. And so they, we, we see this enemy's coming in, the reason he's trying to inflict casualties and take the crop. And then the results that the enemy found. Let me hurry. The results, the verses tells us that the enemy came and all the people fled. What the enemy found was no opposition. They would march into the fields and the people would flee in terror. Sounds like a lot of young people, doesn't it, today, and also older people today as well. See, he'll use someone in the church to start some some dumb drama. And the next thing you know, the young people's against the other young people. The older folks are against the other older folks. Amen. And it's just a constant battle. See, the devil loves to do that. He causes the trouble. But understand, when that all happens, a lot of times, a lot of times when the drama comes in, people are just willing to lay down the sword and go on. Well, that, well, there's drama in the church. Well, let's just quit. Let's go to another church. 
You know, that's where a lot of people are today. They flee the church. No one wants to take a stand for the things of God anymore. I want us to know that's the reason why many churches are falling around us today. It's simply because the drama has run off a good preacher or the drama has run off a good youth group and so on and so forth. And there is no courage. There is no, 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 no resolve to stand against the things of the devil. We're engaged in the greatest struggle that the world has ever known right now. When all the flashy things of this world that has the label Christian on it, we're, we're battling one of the greatest times the world's ever known. It's always been, we know that. But see, we have these so many mega things that's going on around us and it is alluring, it's a draw to the young people. And the next thing you know, our young people's all mixed up in that mess and then they don't have a stand for God anymore. God has placed His church in the world to be a light for glory. And many times, we won't take a stand to protect which what the Lord has given us. And God has given us some things that we ought to take a stand for. That's exactly what the Philistines found when they came at this time was no opposition. There's no opposition. Let me say the answer to the enemy's purpose, verse number 12. But he stood. When everybody else was fleeing away... When everybody else was going a different direction, when everybody else was going a new way, amen, this man, this Shammah, he stood up and said, no, I'm not going to let the world take what God has given us. We need some people with that type of resolve to be able to fight the battle. The Bible tells us he stood, he resolved in his heart that he was going to fight wholeheartedly for the land of the lentils. He made up his mind that he would not run away from the battle. Maybe he had ran before, but not this time. Today, he would stand and make a difference in this little field that he had. He would fight even if it cost him his life. He was willing. You see, Shammah knew that there was some things worth fighting for. Let me say, so it is in the church. We should not just stand back and watch the world move in the way it's done in the youth group and also in the uh, in all churches that when the world's come in and taken over. We should just not run away and hide when the enemy's trampling over everything uh, that we love under his feet. We need to decide today as the older generation and the old young generation that we're going to take a stand and not go the way that the world says you need to go. We could come make up our minds that we're tired of seeing the devil hinder the work of God. We could resolve in our hearts today that there are some things that are worth fighting for. The reason for to fight, the resolve for the fight, but then the reason why did Shammah fight? He knew, because it says, the Bible says, and he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it. He knew without food that people would perish. He knew that people had to eat, and if they were going to eat, there had to be some fields that he had to be had to be defended. Again, I say Shaman knew that there were some things worth fighting for. Let me say just a few things that I believe in my heart. There's some things that are worth fighting for. The church that we go to and the reputation of that church is worth fighting for. Let me say, when you go outside these four doors, everybody's a Christian in here. But whenever you go outside these four doors, what are you representing your church that you go to? And I, I don't know anything. Any, amen. I, I don't think I'm off target when I say that. But what, what does your church know about you or what they know about your church by what they know about you? Our church 
reputation is very important. And man, I know all about church reputation. In my growing up as a young man, as a young preacher, first church we was part of, man's caught in adultery. And man, that reputation of that church, guess what? That church has changed its name. It's not even in existence anymore. I know of other churches that I've been a part of, same exact thing. The reputation of that church is they run off every preacher they get. Uh, other churches' reputation is this church has had a preacher that stole money or, or, or the uh, secretary or whatever stole money and so on and all this stuff. What is the reputation? that is? It's worth to stand so the church still has a reputation. It's also worth to stand so that we can reach the loss of this world. And the Word of God we hold to. Boy, when everybody else is throwing out the Word of God and getting all these other, other versions of it, amen, we need to stand. And the young people's looking for something and they get out and they don't understand the Bible because you have a lot of people that don't even teach them the Bible and so on. And man, they're looking for stuff and they grab. But let me say, there's something worth fighting for and not giving up our Bibles. Old-fashioned praying, old-fashioned preaching, old-fashioned pre- uh, praising the Lord. Let me say another thing worth fighting for, worth, th- uh, worth uh, uh, giving our lives for is holy and clean living. Amen. Yeah. We ought to want to live right. In these days and hour, when it is, like I said, I hate to keep going back to the contemporary aspect, but man, this contemporary world has moved in and it's changed a lot of stuff. And that holy living and clean living is something of the past, is what, we, what most people think. But let me say, the Bible says, Be ye holy for therefore, be ye holy, I am holy. Amen. Our Christian homes, our families, our young people, teaching them the right way. Those are things that are worth dying for. Those are things worth fighting for. And where Shammah, he stood up for the things of God. Then the reward for the fight of the battle. The Bible tells us that Shammah slew the enemies of the people of God. Look at it, if you will. It says in verse number 12, and slew the Philistines. He slew them. The Bible tells us that. Because he fought, he enjoyed a great victory. If he had to run away like everybody else and have been a coward like everybody else and would not have defended what God, what he felt like was important to him, the enemy would just have prevailed, have prevailed over him. And we must take the stand for the Lord. We must take our stand for what's right and what's important. If we don't, if we don't do it, who will? See, if we don't, if we that who claim to love the things of God do not take a stand and fight for what we believe in, then when these things are lost, we make we cannot complain about it. And I see that in our in our day, in our generation. But whenever we was too weak or we was too coward to stand up, we've lost a lot of things. When the enemy has secured the victory and the cause of Christ has been hindered, then we who refuse to fight, the good fight, have no one to blame but ourselves. Amen. We say, young people, today you need to stand. Don't give in to the world. If we want the reward of victory, then we must arm ourselves. And we must stand our ground and fight the battle that God has put before us. Every, there is a moment, thank God, there is a moment in the midst of this Christian walk where there's great victory and we can rest for a minute. But let me say, that's just for a minute. Because the next moment you stand up, guess what? There's another battle to face. And if you're not prepared for each and every one, the conflicts that's going to come, if you're not prepared for them, you're going to fall and be a casualty. But if you stand, and you got the right things on, guess what? God will be there for you. Notice, if you will, the Bible says, And the Lord wrought a great victory. The Lord. See, the achievement that was provided, Shammah stood up. Shammah 
done the work, if you, if you will. He was the one that slew the enemy. But it says the Lord wrought a good victory, or great victory. Last part of verse number 12. He, he gave Shammah the ability to stand. He gave Shammah the power to fight. He gave Shammah the skill to be able to win. He gave Shammah the victory over all his enemies. Shammah may have held the sword, but it was God who fought the battle. Let me say, when you decide to stand up, again, you're not standing alone. You may feel like that. I think about Elijah that was over there after he ran from uh, uh, Jezebel. And he's under that juniper tree. And he's uh, crying. And it's kind of funny in a sense. But at the same time, I know he's in depression. But he says, man, I'm wanting to die. I mean, Jezebel was coming to kill him. And then he got so depressed that he's starting to think, well, I just wanted to die. If he really wanted to die, he would have just stayed over there with Jezebel. But he says, I'm the only one. I mean, I'm paraphrasing. I'm the only one, I'm the only one, I'm the only one that's doing right. I'm the only one that's serving God. And I feel like that a lot of times in my life. But then if you read on through that scripture, you'll find that I can't remember exact how many God said, but God said, I got multiple more than just you. Let me say, when we begin to stand, we may feel like we're standing alone, but let me tell you, I go to meetings sometimes around here and I realize that people are preaching the same Bible, singing the same songs, amen, and it gives me encouragement to know somebody else is standing with me, amen. And let me say, if any, but at, at the most, at, at, at least, at, 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 the, at the greatest aspect of it, amen, even if nobody else is standing, God's standing with me. If I'm standing for right, you stand for right. Everybody else may not be standing for wrong. God's standing with me. It's the same when David walked in that valley as brother, uh, uh, brother, uh, lost your name, amen. Brother Ashton uh, said uh, the same thing there. David went down there. He threw the stone and all that. But what did it say? The Lord got the victory. We understand that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stood their ground. Went, and they were thrown into the furnace. They didn't th- and they said, and even if God don't, we're not going to serve you, O king. God delivered them, and they got a great victory out of it. We know Daniel, as he said, in the lion's den, he went in there, and in, in spite of in spite of what was commanded, in spite of what was uh, what was decreed, Daniel went, opened his windows, and began again pray as he did aforetime. Nothing around the world, nothing in the world, should cause us to back up our stand on God. Men take their stand because they're empowered by God. We're not able to do it on our own. We understand that He's the one that gives the victory. When we fight spiritual battles of this life, we need to remember those battles are the Lord's. We notice that in Second Chronicles 20. We also notice that in uh, first, uh, Psalms 35, 1. And, Daniel, and Psalm of David, Plead my cause, O Lord, with, the, uh, with them that strive with me. Fight against them that fight against me. First Samuel 17, verse 47, the latter part of that says, For the battle is the Lord's. Therefore, when you fight the battles... Whether you win or lose, you have done what the Lord requires. You've been faithful. And that's what He demands, to be faithful. We're not, we may not win every battle. But thank God I read the last chapter, amen, we win the war. The Lord, defend, uh, the Lord defeated uh, or defended the ground because God had one man who was willing to stand. The fields were protected. And the people were saved from starvation and from slavery. Think about that with me for a moment. If we do not stand, Satan will certainly take everything from the church that he can get his hands on. And if he takes away the Bible, what will the following, gener- or the following generations eat? 
If he takes away our desire to witness, who's going to go out and tell the gospel to the lost folks? If he takes away our will to pray, who will call on the Father and stand in the gap of this world? If we do not fight, then we will certainly lose the things that God has given us power to be able to overcome. The Bible tells us that we are more than conquerors, but if we're not standing, how can we conquer? If we do not fight today, then people will starve tomorrow. This is happening all around us in America. Preachers have given in to the enemy who have seen many fled away, and they've compromised on their Bible, they've they've compromised on their music, they've compromised on their standards to try to keep people coming. But all it's done is caused the next generation to starve to death. Let me say, in the field, if if the field is not protected now, those who follow may not have a harvest to enjoy. Let me say, he says, again, but he stood in the midst of the ground and and defended it and slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. Let me say today, the enemy is still attacking the people of God just as he did in those days. And just like it was then, so people are fleeing from the scene of the battle. People are abandoning the harvest and choosing to flee rather than fight. What are we to do today? Are we willing to stand idle while the enemy raids the church and takes everything that we love so dear? Or are we like Shama, who will stand up and say, I'm going to stand. I'm going to st- it may be little. It may be small. It may be insignificant to everybody else around us. But Shema said, look, it's lentils. I don't even know what that is, brother. Do you know what that is? I think it's like soup or something. I, I, mean, I mean, I know they put it in soup. It's beans. I guess it's beans, amen. It's nothing really that big and significant. But yet, it was enough to stand for. Well, whatever. I don't know. And most of you come to this church. But hey, you may not have a big church. may not have a big growth. But understand this, whatever we have here is worth standing for. Whatever I have back at my church is worth standing for. Amen. It may not be much, but thank God it's worth something. God called me to it. And God called my family to it. Amen. It's worth standing for, not giving it over to the devil just so that we have more people. It's not worth giving it over to the devil just so that we have more spirit. And the Bible says, try the spirit. Amen. There's a lot of churches that have spirit, but they don't have the spirit. Amen. And I say today, what are we, are we going to stand? Old people, and I, I hate to say old people, that, that sounds kind of crude, amen. But uh, you older folks, amen, are you willing to stand? Let me say, young people, are you willing to stand? Or are you just going to give in to the compromised crowd that's around you? Thank God there's some good young people, amen. I'm glad of that. You go to youth power to youth meeting and things like that, amen. And you, you see the greatness of the uh, number of young people that's an old-time way, amen. But I tell you, there's a, a lot, a lot in my area, a lot in my area. They go to a church down there. I wouldn't call it a church, but they go to a First Baptist church there. And uh, they have this thing called the Merge. And they got all the young people. They have a Warren Petty who is on the American Idol come. And he's singing in the, you know, singing in the quote-unquote church and all that stuff. And they say, oh, boy, how God's Spirit moved. And they have about, you know, 30, 40, 50 young people in there. Oh, how God's Spirit moved. That same guy who sung something about some contemporary music out there singing something about drinking and all that other stuff. How God moved. That's where we live at today. But I'm telling you, 
We could go that same way, and we could probably have 50 young people at our church too. But is it worth it? No. I'm not willing to give up the lentils. That's what I should have called it. Not willing to give up the lentils. Amen. 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 I'm done, bro. Amen.